Does carrying a gun make you safer? Does it make other people safer? Millions of Americans who pack heat think so, and 33 states with right-to-carry laws permit them to tote a gun. But a long-range study released by the National Bureau of Economic Research found that these states would have had less violent crime had they restricted gun carrying. John J. Donahue, a Stanford law professor and economist, is a lead author of the analysis, which used more than 30 years of crime statistics and a novel algorithm. Researchers identified states whose crime rates paralleled those of states like Texas before it passed a right-to-carry law, and then came up with models called synthetic states to look at before and after violent crime in right-to-carry states and non-right-to-carry synthetic states. It's comparing apples and virtual apples. And Donahue, who's also an expert witness in a right-to-carry lawsuit against the state of California, concluded that gun-toting indeed makes a difference in violent crime. It can increase it by as much as 15%. How did you figure all of this out? It's a challenge to to figure out, well, what would have happened had this law not been adopted? So this new technique called synthetic controls, what we will do is, uh, you know, try to look at states that have not adopted right to carry at the time when, let's say, Texas adopts in 1996. We will look at the crime pattern that Texas had in, let's say, the 15 years before they adopted the right to carry law and see if there are uh, other states that we can think of as a composite of Texas that mimics that identical pattern of crime that Texas had prior to 1996. And then we can take that composite of other states and see what happened in that composite of other states after 1996. And then we're comparing Texas against this composite of other states because that composite was such a good match for identifying the impact, uh, the pattern of crime prior to 1996. And let's compare it with what actually did happen in Texas after 1996. And the difference between those two numbers becomes your prediction of what the impact of Texas passing the right to carry law in 1996 was on violent crime. What, what we found is that there tended to be a fairly substantial difference between those two numbers, such that uh, it, it looked as though uh, you were about you know, 10 to 15 percent higher levels of violent crime than you would have been had you not adopted right to carry. For some states, uh, and Texas happened to be one of them, crime was trending down, and it just didn't trend down uh, nearly as much as in this uh, comparison group of states that had mimicked the pattern of Texas prior to 1996. So are the headlines wrong to say that states with right to carry saw an increase in violent crime? Uh, the, the way I would put it is uh, right-to-carry laws increase violent crime, uh, and, and that could be a, a, an increase above what would happen in a state that was experiencing a drop in crime, 
or just an outright increase if the if the state was uh, you know essentially flat in, in terms of the other things. The states varied. Mississippi, the, the day they adopted their right to carry statute, crime took off like crazy. Um, that would be a state where you would clearly say, you know, it looks like violent crime rose in the aftermath. But even if violent crime falls, uh, it it still doesn't mean that, uh, uh, you know, all is well, because what we're interested in is not the ultimate effect of all of the factors on crime, but what the uh, what the specific effect of this one factor, which is allowing citizens to carry concealed handguns. Am I right that the gun laws, the, the carry right to carry laws, started getting put in place as crime rates were already dec- declining across the country? Yeah, I mean, essentially, one thinks of the Clinton administration as being the period of tremendous crime decline, and and uh, uh, that was hurting gun sales very dramatically, so the NRA was looking around for other ways to stimulate gun sales and, and match to get fair number of these right-to-carry laws passed uh, during the, the Clinton years and the successive years. Essentially, I, again, the way, the way I try to frame it is um, uh, right-to-carry laws uh, tend to increase crime, uh, you know, violent crime, by maybe 13 to 15 percent over a 10-year period. Some factors uh, decrease crime, some factors increase crime. Uh, Increasing incarceration tends to push down crime. Increasing police tends to push down crime. And allowing citizens to carry handguns tends to push up crime. I think Texas had pointed out that crime rates had dropped there. Is that correct? Since since they passed this? They, they passed in 1996. It was in the middle of the Clinton years, and, and of course, crime was dropping very sharply. But um, as the synthetic control analysis showed, uh, the uh, the states that mimicked the pattern of crime that Texas had up to 1996 did quite a bit better than Texas did after 1996. Just had much lower. Uh, crime, uh, or putting it the other way, a, a greater drop in crime than Texas experienced over that 10-year period. The only way, the only way to stop a monster from killing our kids is to be personally involved and invested in a plan of absolute protection. The only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. The saying the NRA uses, and Wayne LaPierre, its president, used this after the Sandy Hook um, murders, was the only thing that can stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. I think of that in relation to the shooting of the members of Congress who had armed guards with them at the baseball game who shot and killed the shooter, but not before he'd gotten off several shots. What truth did you find to this NRA saying? I don't think there's any question 
that police and armed security personnel are very valuable in stopping crime. Uh, where the NRA goes wrong is uh, there's an enormous difference between police and armed security personnel and just some random citizen carrying a handgun. Uh, the latter virtually never plays a positive role in a case of a, uh, an attempted mass shooting. It's much more common that an unarmed citizen will stop a uh, mass shooting than an armed citizen will, just because most most people are, are unarmed. Um, and, and so the, the NRA statement is sort of factually wrong uh, and, and, and a little bit insulting. My research was mostly focused on, uh, you know, the, the more everyday crime, because mass shootings obviously get the most attention, but in terms of, uh, you know, numbers of victims, it's small relative to the uh, grand scale of, of violent crime more generally or, or murder more generally. At the end of the day, uh, it looked to me that every category of violent crime seemed to be uh, elevated. The one individual crime where it was most clearly elevated was aggravated assault. I guess the, the image that comes to mind is guys who might in one instance, have solved their viol their disagreement with fists now have guns. Is that a yes. fair image, or is it? Am I exaggerating? Well, I I think that that there, there are many ways in which right to carry laws uh, cause problems. One is just the one that you said. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, there, there are some obvious examples just in the last couple of weeks. You know, one case, uh, a guy in Pennsylvania was merging in traffic and the 18-year-old girl that he felt cut in front of him enraged him. And he just took out his gun, which he had a concealed carry permit for, and shot her in the head and drove off, killed her. A man is behind bars days after a road rage murder. Police say the victim, 18-year-old Bianca Robertson, was driving in West Goshen, Pennsylvania when she tried to merge into a single lane. Authorities say the suspect, 28-year-old David Desper, allegedly shot the high school graduate in the head. For the act of pulling a gun, aiming the gun, and being able to shoot somebody in the head from one moving vehicle to another, is a calculated act. Somebody didn't want her to merge into a lane of traffic. And because of that, a young woman is dead today. And then, you know, a couple of days later in Seattle, a, uh, a guy was riding home in his Uber from a wedding. and He had had too much to drink, and he and his wife got into a heated argument, and he just took out a gun and shot her in the head. Right now, police in Seattle are investigating an Uber ride that turned deadly. Cameron Espidia is accused of shooting his wife in the head execution style during an argument as they rode in an Uber car. The driver told police he feared for his life, but he kept driving until Espidia told him to pull over and then finally left the vehicle. The driver then called police and Espidia was arrested nearby. He told police he'd been drinking and doesn't remember what happened. I suspect both of these cases 
would not have happened had the the guy not had a concealed carry permit. Uh, there would have been a gun around, and uh, you know, if you get really angry and you're carrying a gun, it's more likely something bad will happen. But there are also so many other ways in which carrying concealed handguns creates problems. Uh, you know, one huge way is that guns are much more likely to be stolen when you're taking them around town and, uh, you know, walking around. And, and we see this uh, quite a bit in California over the last couple of years, a number of instances in San Francisco that got a lot of headlines where somebody left their gun in their car, a permit holder, and uh, somebody breaks into the car and steals the gun and within a day or so, or even a number of hours, murders someone on the street. Um, and so the, the one thing that we know is the permit holders do an amazingly effective job of arming criminals uh, with their lost and stolen guns. Um, so that obviously causes a, a lot of problems. Um, and then you also cause a lot of problems for police and, and anything that causes problems for police tends to make all crime go up because the police are such an important force in uh, restraining crime. Uh, and, and we've seen this like in the Philando uh, Castillo case in Minneapolis where uh, the guy was a permit holder and as soon as the cop heard he was carrying a gun, uh, you could see that he became much more nervous and ends, ends up shooting Castillo because he thought uh, he was reaching for the gun when he was, in fact, reaching for his uh, driver's license. Philando Castile and his fiance Diamond Reynolds pulled over by Minnesota police for a broken taillight. Reynolds streamed what happened next live on Facebook. Stay with me. We got pulled over for a busted taillight in the back. And the police, he's, he's, he's covered. He they killed my boy. Friend. He's licensed. He's carried to. He's licensed to carry. He was trying to get out his ID and his wallet out his um pocket, and he let the officer know that he was re he had a firearm and he was reaching for his wallet, and the officer just shot him in his arm. Uh, I don't think it's any uh, surprise that police in the United States kill a lot more people than police and other industrialized nations, it's not that they have fewer criminals than we have, but um, there are just many fewer people walking around with guns, and police feel a lot more nervous when they're uh, meeting angry people with guns than they would, uh, you know, in, in England or France or Germany or Japan, where they're meeting angry people, but uh, the worst that's going to happen is they're, they're carrying a knife. The gun rights people might say, look, we need better police training then. We need more mental health services for people who may get guns when their mental problems would suggest that they shouldn't. It certainly is true that uh, we, sh we should spend more money uh, in, in that way. Uh, the one thing that the NRA folks don't always note is um, uh, that they make the problem worse, and, and therefore, you know, it might be 
helpful if they uh, were, were willing to pay for making the problem worse. You, you don't hear the NRA saying, yes, we realize we're driving up uh, costs uh, in society and therefore we're, we're advocating a uh, gun tax that all gun owners will pay each year to go into a fund to help uh, police training uh, and, and deal with other negative consequences of, of gun carrying. But that, that would be a sensible policy position. But of course, since they're doing quite well in getting their policies implemented as is, that they're, they're not really uh, inclined to think what would be good from a uh, you know, socially uh, optimal strategy. Were the data hard to come by? Was there something you like would have liked to have that you didn't have access to? You know, as a researcher, uh, I always uh, would like better data on everything. One thing, of course, that on for this particular paper would have been nice to have is just better information about the people who commit crimes who have right to carry permits. Uh, and and the NRA has done quite an effective job in. Uh, getting laws passed to prevent the, uh, uh, the release of that information. Um, and, you know, they obviously do it because they, they think it will hurt their image to uh, have right to carry permit holders identified as criminals. Is there something that you hope will come out of your research it's really hard to know exactly what uh, will happen with with this paper. I do think, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's being offered as evidence to support the restrictions that California maintains on carrying concealed weapons, which the NRA is currently uh, uh challenging in, in federal litigation. And you are an expert witness the state of California has called to speak in this case? Yes. Well, they just uh, uh, asked me to uh, write a report on what I thought the impact of allowing citizens to have a largely unrestricted right to carry guns outside the home would be. Um, and so I rehearsed uh, uh, the major findings of the paper in that report and then was uh, uh, deposed, actually, by the NRA. And, and the NRA hired an expert to uh, uh, criticize my views. Did they land any punches, do you think? Um, no. Were there any findings that surprised you? Yes. Whenever you do these analyses, there there are lots of uh, puzzles and, and surprises. I would have thought the increase in murder would have been bigger than it was. Uh, although I suspect that part of the reason why uh, the increase in murder was... Um, not as large as the increase in overall violent crime was that um, the police are are better at restraining murder than they are at restraining overall violent crime. 
and the right to carry state uh, hired a lot more police uh, than after they adopted these laws than than other states. But uh, apparently, uh, the, the politicians uh, realized fairly quickly that uh, uh, crime was, uh, you know, showing upward pressure in the states that passed right-to-carry laws, and they responded to that by greater increases in police than uh, we saw in the, the states that did not adopt these laws. For California, do you have any conclusions, projections about right-to-carry and the lobbying to put that in place here? And I do think that, uh, you know, it, it's an interesting issue of, uh, whether the the preferences of Californians not to have right to carry uh, will be overturned by NRA legis- uh, litigation efforts or by congressional uh, decisions to grant reciprocity to those who get right to carry permits in other states. Both of these things would... You know, sort of override the preferences of, of the California legislature on right to carry, um, and and it, it will be up to both Congress and the courts to decide whether that will happen. And of course, uh, many of these right to carry states will will provide the permit to anyone or anywhere in the country, uh, and so that would then present a problem. But would that mean that? Everybody in California would sudden, who wanted a gun would suddenly just uh, write to uh, Florida and get a Florida concealed carry permit and then be walking around on the streets of L.A. or, or San Francisco with a gun. Professor John Donahue, thank you very much. It was my pleasure to chat with you. Pat Morrison Asks is produced for the Los Angeles Times by Pat Morrison. It's engineered by Tim French and Todd G. Levin and edited by Levin. The audio is from ABC News, from CNN, and from Fox News. I am Pat Morrison.